But I woke up at 6 o'clock in the morning. And, uh, well, actually, it was a little bit before 6 o'clock in the morning, as I normally do. That's not abnormal for me. But uh, I thought of all the things that had to happen at church. And I'm like, okay, I want to get to the church at 7. And the Lord was like, I want you, Kurt. And uh, I, I feel like there's some people in this room that just need that word because everything I'm going to talk about today, if, if you do not understand that the Lord just wants you, that he just wants your heart, that he just wants all of you, then you're going to completely miss anything that I talk about the spiritual giftings. And, and I go through the motions and I go through the things that I need to do and I go through the things that are on my to-do list and the Lord's saying, Kurt, I just want you. And so I just spent some time this morning just giving myself over to the Lord. And everything that I'm talking about today, again, if we don't have a culture of that, then we're going to completely miss it. And then I came in and, and, and set everything up, and we had all these kind of things moving, and we've had multiple different things, like the TVs weren't working until 10.59 today. And I said, okay, Holy Spirit, this is good. Because the enemy does not want this sermon to happen. The enemy does not want whatever is going to be imparted today to happen. And so, Lord, I pray right now over each person, Lord, that your spirit would be uh, evident in here, Lord. That we would just be able to give our whole selves, every, every ounce of us to you, Lord Jesus. That, that we would be a body that's committed to saying, you are Lord of this house. And so, Holy Spirit, do what you want in this place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, we're talking about prophecy. We've had bad experiences and good experiences with prophecy. I just want to lay that out. Some of us have had good experiences with the prophetic word. Some of us have had terrible experiences with the prophetic word. And if you've been a believer long enough, you will have both. Let's just be honest. You will have both. And so we see this. That this is our second part of this sermon series on Healthy, spirit-led churches. And this is the second part. Last week, we talked about words of wisdom and words of knowledge. And today, we're going to talk about prophecy. So I'm going to jump right in because we got some special stuff at the end. But we're talking about prophecy. There is this, this, this thing that happens where God wants to move with spiritual, supernatural guidance in, uh, into our lives. We talked about it last week, and I want to lay the foundation because I'm not going to go back over it. But first and foremost, in this house, in this church, we are guided by the word of God, okay? So we talked about that last week. The word of God is the guidance that we need. Sometimes he works through counsel of one another, right? Each one of us gets together, we spend time together, and there's wisdom that happens between counsel of each other. Then the third one is wisdom that just God lays down on you, right? Like there's just this, these experiences or these things that you know that the Lord is going to give you. And then there's this fourth kind, and it's this supernatural wisdom, this supernatural real-time guidance, and it comes in the way of words of knowledge and words of wisdom and prophecy. Now, I tend to believe that that is the special occasion. The first three are so important that we have a discipline of getting into the words, getting with one another in spiritual counseling, and in a, having our own wisdom. But at the same time, we need to be open to the way that the Lord works. So let's go into 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 8, verse 10. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, 
a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. Skip down to verse 10. To another prophecy. So it begs the question, and I've been wrestling this with for four years, and now is what does a healthy church community look like who is activating the gifts of words of knowledge, of words of wisdom, and of prophecy? In a community where there might be some really good experiences and in a community where there might be some bad experiences. And so we, how do we do this in a healthy way? Now it's important to note if this, if this verse in Corinthians is going to be our kind of anchor as we've been doing 12, 13, and 14, we need to say, okay, what is Paul saying to the church in Corinth? And you have to remember that Paul is writing this to a church that thanks they understand what being spiritual means. There is spirituality that is happening in this church, but the spirituality is leading to divisiveness and it's leading to selfishness. And so we see that this is not how it's supposed to happen. And on top of that, there is disorder that is taking place. God is actually a God of order, even in the supernatural. And so there was disorder that was taking place. And so we see that Paul is going to help these people say, this is what true living in the spirit means. And it will always lead to unity. And it will actually always lead to order. It actually is supposed to flow together very nicely. And so we have to understand that he's writing to a church that is way, way, way less structured than you see now. Okay. So he's writing this church where there's no stage. There's no lights, there's no mic, there's no in and out in an hour and 15 minutes. And when you don't do that, I get the stink eye from you all. I understand that. Matter of fact, it actually probably would look a little bit like this, but, but it's a lot different than what it was. The community was coming together and it would have looked more like a dinner party than it would have an American church setting. We have to understand that. It would have been participatory. Everyone would have been a part of this. There was not really this like stage and you just listen to me and then everyone leaves. That's not how this was meant to be. And to be honest, I think most American Christians would go into the early church and they would be like, I am very uncomfortable with what's happening right now. And vice versa, I actually do believe that there would be early church Christians that might come in and they might be like, what even is this? This is not what it looked like back then. Now, there's cultural differences, and, and I'm not saying American church is wrong. I'm just saying we have to understand that it's much, much different than what he's writing to the church in, Corinthian, or it's in Corinth. And there would have been a word, and it probably would have not been entertaining. So we're still on point here. We just lost our TVs, didn't we? This is awesome. I love this. That's all right. We're going to ride with it. Yeah, this is good. It's a good thing, trust me. It wouldn't have been entertaining, and they would have been repeating the central tenets of the faith. And, and so that would have been happening, and, and then hymns would have been sung, right? And then there would have been this time of prayer. Everyone would come together, and in that prayer time, there would be prophecies. There would be things that are getting said, that are getting called out in one another, and everyone would have been playing a part. And people would have had words of wisdom and words of knowledge and prophecy for the body. And Paul's going to make it clear that this should be happening, but there should be order and not disorder in these moments. And so he's going to say, we've got to shape these things up. 
And so that's where we're at. He's saying prophecy should be active in the church. Prophecy was active in the early church. We are the New Testament church continued. And I believe that prophecy should be activated in our church as well. We are the continuation of that church. And for us to be the full expression of what God desires us to be, the Spirit is actively, actively inspiring people to bring words from God to people in this body. I truly believe that, and I've seen it happen, okay? So that's the baseline. At this time, God is laying thoughts on our hearts that we are either going to share in a way that's orderly and healthy, or we will, or there's a way that people share it that is in disorder and unhealthy. Now, what does prophecy look like? Yes, at, at times it is a foretelling of the future, but God wants to reveal truths to his people. And why does God want to do this? 1 Corinthians 14, 3, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. It's so important for us to understand this. Not every word is just going to be blessing upon blessing and flattery upon flattery. That's where the American church has got it wrong. I get ads on my Instagram. I don't know who I'm following or what I'm doing wrong, but I get ads for prophecy where I can get a monthly subscription and with the monthly subscription, they will send me a prophecy. That is not how it's meant to be. It is for the encouragement, the strengthening, and the comfort of the body. I believe that it's the body having the giftings, all of us uh, at every church around here, that then feeds into the body for the strengthening and the edification of the church. But in the simplest form, it's this, declaring God's truth about a person or a situation. That's what God's trying to do. God is just simply saying, I want to declare a truth about this person, or I want to declare a truth about this situation. And when it happens, it's powerful. When it happens with order and it happens the way it should be, it's life-changing. When it happens with disorder and it happens that it shouldn't happen, it can also be life-changing. But there's a difference of what God wants to do. Oftentimes, we receive prophetic words and if we receive them, they should be in alignment, I think, with what God has already confirmed and been working with that person. He just wants to say, I'm here to strengthen, I'm here to encourage, and I'm here to comfort you to keep going, brother and sister, because I need to advance my kingdom. And that's what the prophetic should look like. I've had the privilege of seeing prophetic work so well. I've also had the privilege of seeing, well, not the privilege, actually. It's a, I've seen the prophetic work not so well. Let me tell you what's not happening. The spirit is not floating around right here, and somehow you have to do something to get a word. There's a famous band. I'm going to bring it up. There's a famous band that has this song that says, it's called Revivals in the Air. And the chorus is, Revivals in the Air, so catch it if you can. That is not how this works. You are not just chasing some sort of revival or prophetic word. And people come and they're like, okay, this is a place of prophecy. I just need a word. I just need a word. It's like a horoscope. It doesn't work. Brian sent me this great uh, um, podcast about how that culture is not what this is talking about. It's not about you. 
It's not about the person giving the prophetic word. It's not about you receiving the prophetic word. It's about God who says, I want to declare a truth into you as a person or a situation that advances my kingdom. This is how it's supposed to work. But if we're going to talk about it, we have to start here. I want to start here. Matthew 7, 15. There are such things as false prophets. Let's start there. There are such things as false prophets. And so we need to start there. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. <laughs> Jesus, in this section, is laying out, I, I always say this is like laying out 101 on what it means to be a follower of the way. So he's going to say, this is what it looks like to be a follower of the way. And he's going to say, part of it is being aware of these things called wolves. There are false prophets that are going to come in and they're going to try to mess things up. And we're supposed to literally beware is translated as be alert. Like you need to be alert. You need to think, okay, this might be false prophecy, right? The prophetic is something that we are not to take lightly. That's what I'm saying on this. I think that a lot of churches in wanting to have the prophetic manifest itself in the church, they just take it lightly. Everyone has a word. It's bouncing around like that. We're not to take it lightly. There will be people whose prophetic ministries contradict with Jesus' teaching. That should never, never, never happen. He's saying there will be people who falsely claim to be giving you a word from God. And, and it uses this term ferocious. Some translations say it's, it's ravenous, like they're going to be ravenous. I think a better translation, I was studying this, a better translation is it literally means that they're going to be swindlers. That these people are going to be robbers of the truth. They're swindlers. They're, they're using the word from God to manipulate or to, to turn truth the way it's not supposed to. And they're going to undermine Jesus' teaching, oftentimes for personal gain, oftentimes for people to look at them, like, look at me, look at me, look at me, and that's not what it's supposed to be. Now, Jesus goes on in verse 22 and 23 of, of, of chapter 7. It says, many will say to me on that day, on the day of judgment that we're all face, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Whew. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evil doers. It says people will prophesy in his name. Matter of fact, he lists the three activities that really sit in the prophetic ministry. In the prophetic role, he, he's like, okay, some will prophesy. Some will even cast out demons. Some will even perform miracles. And he'll say, I didn't even know you. Jesus is literally communicating disassociation or estrangement from this person. In prophetic ministry, people, this is a risk for me as well. I'm just going to be completely transparent with you. We can get so busy with doing the work of the ministry that we don't have a relationship with Jesus. We, we don't pursue him deeply. We don't have a deep, close relationship with Jesus. And I think that's why God woke me up at six o'clock in the morning and he said, Kurt, don't preach on this if you're not gonna act like this. Because he's gonna say, it's all about being in relationship with me. It does not matter what you do or what you say for me, but I want you, Kurt. And all of us have this temptation because he's going to say, there's going to be a lot of people that are doing the works of the ministry, and they're going to say, I don't even know you. 
I never knew you. And so it, it matters to this. Now, as we read this, as I was wrestling, there can be this natural thing that happened, okay? So, so we see this, that it, the, the conclusion might be this, why don't we just avoid it as a church? Okay, if there's false teachers, if we're supposed to be on alert, why would we just not go the route of prophecy? Trust me, I, I wish that was the conclusion in some ways because it is one of those things that's hard, right? It's hard to, to make sure that we're doing well. It's hard to make sure that we're discerning. It's hard to make sure that we have a culture that's healthy that does this. Well, let's look at verse, uh, uh, let's look at one verse. 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 5 16 through 24. Jesus gives us, or uh, Paul writes these, these simple words and these one lines that are so powerful. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstance, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecy with contempt, but test them all, hold on to what is good, and reject every kind of evil. So, so Jesus was giving us the warning that this is going to happen. There's going to be false prophets. You've got to be on alert. You've got to be aware. Well, there could be a tendency to say, well, then let's just not deal with that. But Paul tells us not to quench the spirit. The Greek word here, he's referring to the Holy Spirit. Do not quench it. Do not quench the Holy Spirit's work. And the New Testament oftentimes uses this imagery of fire, right? You hear the Holy Spirit and this fire. And so Paul's using that imagery and saying, don't put it out. Don't put out the fire. Whatever you do, do not put out the fire. And when looking at this context, he's saying quenching the spirit is not allowing the prophetic to happen within a church. And so what we see is that the Thessalonian church, for some reason, and there's some thoughts from a theological point of view, but they have just not let the, the prophetic happen. Uh, probably bad experiences, probably like, I'm not sure if this is really what we're supposed to be doing. And so Paul's writing to say, do not quench the spirit. Let the prophetic happen. And it appears that the church is not practicing. And Paul is saying it's, it's supposed to happen. But some believers probably felt uncomfortable. And I'm guessing in this room, some of you feel uncomfortable. And that's totally good. It's totally okay. We're going to work on this together. We're going to go to this together. But Paul tells us not to shy away from these things. We are not to quench the spirit. We are not to despise prophecy. What are we to do instead? He clearly listed out when he put that verse back up. As a body, instead, we are to test all prophetic words. As a body, we are to allow the spirit to move. And when we receive a word of knowledge, when we receive a word of wisdom, when we receive a prophetic utterance, uh, we are to receive it and test it at the same time. We are to discern and we are to discern, I believe, as a community because he's writing this to the whole community. And we, are, we need to make sure that our discerning giftings are as powerful as our prophetic giftings. The church needs to make sure that our discerning spirits and our discerning uh, spiritual giftings are in alignment with the prophetic spiritual giftings. And that's what it's going to look like as, as a, a healthy church, and it's so important. 1 Corinthians 14, 5-6. Now I want you all to speak with tongues, but even more that you may prophesy. 
The one who who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks with tongues, unless he interprets, in order that the church may receive edification. But now, brothers, if I come to you speaking with tongues, how do I even benefit you? How would that benefit you? Unless I speak to you either with a revelation or with knowledge or with prophecy or with a teaching. Paul is saying, look, many of you will have the gift of tongues and that's good. But he says the gift of prophecy is actually greater than the gift of tongues because it can benefit the entire community. And if you know anything about God, he wants to benefit the church and he wants to edify and strengthen and he wants to lift up the body of Christ. And saying this, that prophecy is given to strengthen, encourage, and comfort each other as a form of worship. And so if I'm giving tongues, if I'm speaking in tongues, uh, that's great. It, in some ways, it's edifying me. Unless somebody's interpreting it, then it's edifying the body. And he's saying, that's all good. I want that to happen. I get edified that way. But he's saying, I want prophecy to happen. I want prophecy to happen because I want to strengthen and encourage and comfort this body. And it leads to the edification of, of the body. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, tell, 30, or sorry, 12, 31 tells us, but strive for the greater gifts and I will show you a still more excellent way. This is God's heart. Paul's saying, you got to understand this is what the spirit wants to do. We are to strive. We are to desire. He says that all giftings are good, but we are to desire the ones that are full for the full church, for the full body, believer to believer. Let's do this together. Let's edify and strengthen each other. All the gifts are desirable, but it needs to be an aspect, I believe, of our worship and our prayer life and our coming together as a body. Again, it's not this magical thing that we all have to chase. There are just going to be these times where God's going to come and he's going to lay a word on us or we're in prayer and we say, Lord, do you have anything for us to say? Is there anything that you want to reveal to this body? And that gifting needs to take place. So what should this look like? Uh, I had the gift, I, I think, is this screen working? I had the gift of I show this a lot. I, I fell in love with London. I worked for three years out of London for the Alpha course, uh, and I went to the Holy Trinity Brompton in London, HTB. And I'm telling you, this is like, a, I don't know, in London, it's like, you know, 3,000-year-old church. Uh, but uh, it's an old church, and you walk up to it, and I remember the first day that I, I walked up to it, I just got hired, and uh, I fly in Saturday night, take the red eye, I land Sunday midday, and I always went to the Sunday service. And amazingly, in this old church in the middle central London, there is a charismatic expression of the Anglican church that takes place. It is absolutely incredible. And they run service after service after service after service. And when I first got there, uh, they do this about once a month where the prayer team goes into, the, into a room and they pray and they say, are there anything that the Lord wants to reveal to the body? And it's very intimidating, I'm not going to lie. And so the, the sermon gets done, and he said, we're going to jump into prophetic words. And so this line of people just <laughs> come up, and they just say, uh, one, one woman I remember vividly, she said, there's a woman in here who uh, fell off a horse, and she's got a bad back. And uh, if that's you, 
very healthily, I'm going to be out here, up here in the front. And if you want to come up for prayer, I believe that the Lord wants to, us to pray for you for your healing. And so she went down, and there's some more and some more, and there's like the second to last guy, and he's like, uh, I heard that there is a person who's starting a new job tomorrow, <laughs> and they're supposed to come up for prayer. And I sat there, and I just was jet lagged. I had just gotten off the plane, and I was like, I'm sure that's for someone else. Does anybody else have that? Have there ever been a prophetic word? And you're like, I, like, oh, hey, you're supposed to, like, we're gonna have the prayer open, and you're supposed to, who's supposed to come up, and you know that you're supposed to come up, but you sit for some reason your legs don't work all of a sudden. And I said, oh, that's somebody else's. So I sat there like halfway through the song and this dude, like everyone else was hitting and everyone was getting prayer. And that dude, you, you saw his face like, oh, I didn't hear right. So I went up for prayer and, and, and it was to do this. The, there was no prophetic word. He just said, I'm here to strengthen, encourage, and comfort you as you take this new role. He had no idea what the role was and he just spoke life over me. He spoke truth over me. There was nothing weird about it. Now, fast forward three years later, the last, Day, last time that I was there, I, uh, uh, second to last time I was there, but I, I go up and, and, and I just go up for prayer. There's just, it's just prayer time. And so I just felt the Lord saying, uh, you're supposed to go up for prayer. And this guy was praying over me. And you know when they're praying over you and it's great, but nothing's hitting? That's totally fine. I love it. I love it. Just pray over me and anything else. And the guy gets done. And many people know the story, but the guy gets done. And he looks at me and he said, do you have somebody to discern something with? I said, yeah, I have, I have a group of, of guys and, and my wife that, that we can discern it with. And he said, I felt like the Lord was saying you're supposed to go help your church and you've been running away from it. And I did not receive that prophetic word. At first I was like, oh, I, I got a good job. I'm traveling around the world. I'm good. Uh, well, fast forward. Here I am, right? That's a long story. Yes, no, don't clap for that. The Lord, the Lord wanted to reveal a truth about a person, me, and about a situation, the church. That's it. And it's an alignment. And there's nothing weird about it. And it's within order. And the guy handled it exactly how he should. He said, do you have somebody to discern this with? I'm not, I, I think he said, I'm not going to give you the prophetic unless you do. Because he knows that the prophetic gifting needs to be in alignment with the discerning gifting. And that's where we get it wrong. So let's, let's look into this. I want to go in this. Uh, this is a verse that we use so much in the church. I think it's becoming our, our life, our church's life verse here. But as I was rereading in this week, I was really revealing some truth about the prophetic. John 16, we're going to go into it. I, I think it provides good guide rails for the prophetic. I, I think he's, he's saying this is how it should be. John 16, 13 through 14, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me and for, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Three important aspects, three important aspects of prophecy that I believe that the spirit is doing. And I think Jesus is saying, here's the guide rails of what this is going to look like. Number one, he's going to guide you into all truth. The prophetic can be a bit different. Yes, but it must align with his word and the truth of God's promises 
and in alignment with the heart of God. Because the Spirit can only guide you into truth. There are guide rails that the Spirit has. It's good. He's going to guide you into truth. The Spirit speaks truth. The Spirit is not going to give you a prophetic word that supersedes what God has already said in his scripture. It's not going to happen. Not, not, not going to happen. He is not going to be like, you know what? I got a prophetic word that I don't need to be in Christian community. I'm good. I'll just keep watching Elevation Church online because you know that happens. He is not going to say, whoa, 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 whoa. It's okay. You, it's okay to marry unequal like yoke. That's, that's not, the word tells us these things, right? The spirit is not going to be like, you know what? I know that God said that, but actually this is good. Those are not the prophetic that's supposed to happen. It has to align because the spirit is only revealing what he hears from the Lord who gave us the word. And number two, the spirit will glorify Jesus. The prophetic is all about glorifying Jesus. The prophetic is all about glorifying Jesus. It's all about advancing Jesus's mission. The spirit is going to give prophetic giftings that edify the church for what? To, to advance God's kingdom, to glorify Jesus. He's going to say, all, I, I think it's going to be all prophetic words are to bring you closer in alignment to Jesus's heart so that you love him more, that you have a deep desire for him, that you're deeper in your faith with him, that you're more on fire to advance his kingdom. And then number three, he will declare things that are to come. Many times prophetic words are given from the spirit and they are just to get us past our earthly mindset. We're stuck in our earthly mindset. And he's going to say, no, 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 no. I am revealing to you some promises or some truths of how this is going to look in your life to strengthen and encourage you. So how do we build up these muscles? How do we build up these muscles? If I said, I want to be a, uh, not I, uh, let's use we. If we want to be a healthy, spirit-led church, we need to build up these muscles. I will tell you that these muscles are in our church. Now, there's a cultural thing that's capping it, in my opinion. And I want to speak to the culture of a church. Because uh, it's going to be so important that the, the field almost has to be ready for this kind of stuff. And I think at times, the, the, at the right time, it will be. But we have to have a baseline. If you don't get anything out of the sermon, please, please, please get this one thing out of the sermon, okay? All right? Here's the baseline. We have to become a culture of prayer and intercession. And there's no other fast tracking this. Prayer and intercession has to be happening in this church. This is very hard. This is hard as an American. Like, let's just be honest. It's even harder as a Pacific Northwestern American. Like, it is very hard. I know that you all want to struggle through things alone. I know that you don't need anybody. I know that some of you are fine with a little tap on the shoulder, but you do not need a full hug. That's fine. Like, that is the Pacific Northwest, and I'm coming to accept it. I'm going home to Indiana at the end of October, and I'm going to go to my mom's church, and I'll get kissed and hugged and all that stuff, and then I'll be good for another year. It's fine. But we cannot struggle on our own. We cannot go through things alone. We cannot be private enough that we don't come and say, Lord, is there anything that you have for me in good seasons and bad, especially in the bad? I, I mean that. 
so powerful because I, we will not see anything happening in this space unless we as a culture decide together that we're going to do this. One of my favorite stories is Acts 4, uh, verse 23 and 24. Peter and John are preaching at the temple, and the Sadducees are like, I, well, I don't like this. And so they capture them, right? And, and they put them in front of the leaders. And the leaders, I kind of read it as they, they rough them up a little bit. But then they see their power, and they're like, okay, we can only go so far. So they release them. And so it says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people, the early believers, and repeated all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. We see that the early believers, they raised their voice together, in, for, uh, uh, together to God. And skip down to verse 30. What did they ask for? They asked for a lot of things. There's a, a couple things going on, but it says, stretch out your hand. Yeah, they asked God to stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed that, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were of one heart and one mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything that they had. They shared everything that they had. Uh, a couple things to note here. They got together and they actually asked this. Together, are we ready for this as a community? Are we ready to say, God, as followers of Jesus, we, we want to see healings happen. We, we want to see miracles happen. We want to see wonders happen. We want the prophetic to happen in this space. Do we come together and do we say that? We see this in this moment that this is a group who was often, I think, coming together for prayer and intercession, asking boldly for these things. And what do they get in turn? They're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they now, through the prophetic, through the wonders, they're now ready to go boldly speak out there. Keep in mind, a culture that's much like ours, right? Not believers, and they have to speak boldly about the Word of God. He's using these things to speak boldly. And there's a unity that takes place. There's one heart and one mind. If we are not praying together, I do not believe that we will see these things happen. In a way, I mean, I think that we'll see them, but not where it's like, God, you are so good, and you're edifying, and you're strengthening this body, because all we're doing is we're saying, Lord, is there anything that you have to reveal to us? That's really it. Getting together and saying these things. Now, I, I was going to go back and forth, so I say this, but I'm going to say this. Do we want to be that kind of church? Uh, if it's my choice, I'll, I'll do it. But it could be that in the culture, that it's like, you know what? We're not going there. But Paul's telling the Thessalonian church, I know this is uncomfortable, but do not quench the spirit because the Lord wants to do something through you. And this is the baseline of what we're supposed to be doing. Now, there's a couple of things that we're going to be doing uh, to see, because this is going to be a super practical, practical sermon. Uh, COVID and the strangeness of two rooms and weird things going on. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's been hard. We haven't been implementing prayer up front. We're going to be implementing prayer up front. 
at the end of service, when the last song comes on, it's up to you guys. We're just going to be available. I think Dana and I will be up front today, and I think Liz and John, maybe you guys will be up front over there. And, and if there's anybody that just needs prayer and intercession, we're going to be available. That, that's, a, that's a baseline. With COVID and all this stuff, it's been crazy, but we're, we're going to be open to it. And then number two, we meet every Sunday here at 10. There's like a group of like five of us, five to 10, and we pray, and it's fervent prayer for the body and for what the Lord's going to do. When you come in here, you are prayed up. You are prayed up. I'll just tell you that. But you guys are more than welcome to come to that. Noon on Wednesdays, we have a group of like 10 of us that are praying for the body. We are praying. If there are prayers of intercession and things that you need, you can come here Wednesday at 10 or text us. Kingdom Come Prayer Nights. We meet here once a month. We're not doing it with Alpha, but once a month. And, and there, this is a space for the prophetic to happen. This is, we're simply creating this. Because we believe that we want to be a church that doesn't quench the, the spirit because it's just too hard or I want to do my own thing. But instead, we're going to say we want to be people because the problem is, is that we, if we are a bunch of people who are the body of Christ and we're living ordinary lives, we're going to completely miss it. Because the church was always meant to be extraordinary. If you come into this space and it's like, man, this is just a bunch of good people that are good and living good lives. But the Lord's saying, no, 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 no. I, I want my church to look completely different. I want this to be a house of extraordinary, ordinary people coming in. And through my spirit, there's an extraordinary impartation that happens. Because I'm telling you what, if we keep bringing a knife to a gunfight out there, we will not boldly proclaim the name of Jesus. We're going to be ordinary people that look and smell and act exactly like the world. And instead he's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. I gave you a power that when you come together, when you experience God, when you experience the things that I have for you, I want to say, I want to speak in truth into you as a person, and I want to speak truth to a situation, and I want to speak truth to the body of Christ, because I want you to go out, and you're going to go out like sheep amongst wolves, and I'm telling you, I have the power to give you what you need. And the Lord's saying, but it's your choice. Because... Right? We can, you can keep living ordinary, but if we're going to do this thing, then let's live extraordinary. Let's get together because we're supposed to look a little weird. <laughs> we're supposed to look a little weird. Order. There's order within the weirdness, but we're supposed to look a little weird. All right, shifting gears. What do you do if you think you have this gifting? There are, there are people in this body that have this gifting. But what about if you're like, I don't know if I have this gifting or not, but I think I do. We do this work with order and in community, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spell this out a little bit, but this is not something that we say, all right, we're going to start practicing the prophetic. Everyone, whoever has a word for one another, go around the room and just start giving it to one another. Oof. I'll be dodging you all like, whoa. <laughs> it's coming from the pastor. But I think there are some people that might be wondering, you know, I think I hear from God sometimes. 
I think that the Lord, and I think all of us at times, the Lord's going to speak to us. I think some people have the ministry of the prophecy. I think there's some that have like, this is my spiritual gifting. I know that I have prophetic words. That's good. And, and some of you are like, I, I don't think I have it. But like Mark, I mean, it, it, this guy gave him prophetic word we talked about last week. And the guy's like, I've never gotten this before, but I'm going to give it to you. So all of us have to be ready for this, but there is a ministry of it. But what does it feel like? God is speaking, and we know this, but it ha must happen in community and within training. And here's how it started for me. Uh, I, when I really gave my life to the Lord, I was in a healthy, spirit-led community. And I was like, man, I'm hearing things. I'm like, I feel like there's things that God's laying on my heart that I'm supposed to say or share. And I didn't say them. Now, was I being sinful with that? I don't think so, because what was happening is I would hear something and someone else in the room would be like, say it. And it was almost word for word exactly what I was supposed to say. And I said, okay, I got it. I now know how to decipher what I'm thinking and what might be from the Lord. Again, this is not like something that I get like every 15 minutes I got words from the Lord. No, there's just moments where the Lord just says, hey, I got something that I want you to deliver. And for the longest time, I kept quiet. And that's fine because what would happen is I would get in alignment with people. And I was going to the prayer rooms. I was going to the prayer services. And I was getting mentored, really, by people who had this prophetic gifting. I was in prayer with them, and I would keep my mouth shut. And I'd be watching and looking and seeing how they delivered it. I was looking and watching and saying, okay, is my heart saying the same thing that their heart's saying? And also, people who were getting prayed for would say something. I'd be like, oh, I was thinking that exact same thing or similar to it. I said, okay, this is how this is supposed to look. But we need to walk along together and be mentored by it. Because it takes some time. But when you begin to understand it, when you begin to know what it looks like, then you can speak boldly. Again, we are not unleashing prophetic words on each other today. But we need to be able to speak truth when we get that feeling. And it's also important to remember that it's not blessing upon blessing and flattery upon flattery. The prophetic gifting is not necessarily something that's always the easiest as well. Because sometimes we can see it viewed as that, but God uses it to strengthen and encourage. And sometimes strengthening and encouraging are words that are not easy. Even when I got the call to come here to the church, there was a tough truth with it. You've been running from it. The, you've been running from it was as important as you're supposed to go help your church. Because I knew that I had been. And so you get a little bit like, ooh, it pulls the gut out, out it, pulls, it pulls kind of the, it gives you a little bit of a sting. And the sting changes the way you act. But it's encouraging and comforting at the same time. Matter of fact, it's so important that we do this in community. 1 Corinthians 14, 29, 23, two or three prophets should speak, and the other should be doing what? They should be weighing carefully what is said. Because they, 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 can, they can discern. And if a revelation comes to someone who's sitting down, the first speaker should stop, order again. For you can all pro prophesy in turn <clears throat> so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but peace as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. God is not a God of disorder. God is a God of order and peace. 
We do this in groups. We do this, the reason we want to have prayer, people praying for people is because we want to be discerning with one another. Uh, we want to make sure that we're in alignment, right? We want to make sure that we're, we're that, that there's a witness within, within the ways that we say, Lord, do we have anything for us? The ministry of spiritual gifts, of prophecy, words of wisdom, and knowledge must be organized in the church, must be a commitment to a structure to promote the what? Strengthening the church. And Paul's very clear of this. Prophecy, likewise, is a gift that should not be exercised in excess, but rather there should be order and that we should make sure that we are all in alignment, okay? It's not manufactured. It's a gift. Does that make sense? Sometimes people want the gifting so badly that they manufacturing it. I'm telling you, anytime that I've felt that and there was a discerning spirit in me, like, I don't know if I manufactured this or if it's a gift, I never say it because a gift comes on you and you're like, oh, okay, I got to go say that. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? All right. It's meant to be in community with order that what? The end goal of this is that there's peace. Every one of Lord, the Lord's houses, it says, all the congregation of the Lord peace, uh, Lord's, Lord's, uh, Lord's people should have peace. This is a thing that should be like, man, we're coming and this is a place of peace. Now, it's interesting because study, it appears that Paul is referencing back to a mentorship style that is found in the Hebrew text. Throughout the Old Testament, there are older prophets that are training younger prophets. This is how this was to work. Matter of fact, the two of the most uh, famous prophetic voices in the Old Testament are linked, Elisha and Elijah. Okay, so we're just going to go there a little bit. But Elisha was mentored by Elijah. 2 Kings 2, 1 through 2. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Multiple times, Elisha is saying, I know what's going to happen. Elijah is going to get, put, get sent back up. And Elisha is going, and Elisha is going to say, I, I need to be there with you. Uh, Elisha, for many, many years, is walking alongside Elijah and seeing what this looks like. 2 Kings 2, 9 through 10. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what can I do for you before I'm taken up from you? All right, so he knows that this is happening. And Elisha says, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet, if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. Elijah asked for the firstborn rights that a child would receive. Even though they're not related, we need mentorship. We need spiritual fathers and mothers for people that are getting raised within this body. That is how mentorship is supposed to be. And we're supposed to be so close with this, within this mentorship that it's like, I want to have the same gifting as you is what they're saying. He wants a double portion of the inheritance. Elisha desires the spiritual inheritance to be the firstborn of Elijah. He's, there's other prophets that are also with Elijah. And Elijah saying, I want to be so close to you that I get this inheritance. This is how important this work is. If you believe you have this gifting, 
I'm telling you, we need to do it in mentorship. You need to be showing up to prayer nights. You need to be showing up in prayer circles. You need to be mentored by those who have this gifting. I'll say this. I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'll, I'll say this. Uh, I haven't asked her, but I'll say it. You know, Mama Bertha, I think, received a, a vision. She called me, uh, and she kind of talked about some stuff that she saw at the church that she probably down the road, you know, these prophetic visions, I think. And she said something that stuck out to me so, um, so clearly. She said, Kurt, this is after about two and a half or three hours of prayer. I don't know if you received anything else, but I got the sense that that was the only thing that the Lord downloaded on you, right? And she's a wonderful mentor, mentor to people to say, this is what a prayer life looks like. This is not genie in the bottle prophecy. This is not, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to live my own life. And then when I need it, the Lord's going to show up for me. This is a spiritual discipline of sitting and being in the word and being in prayer and doing this. Lord, do you have anything for me? And Bertha, I think you and I are close enough. Many times there's nothing and that's fine. That's totally fine. And you want to, you want to make sure that you acknowledge those times as much as you acknowledge the times that the Lord does have something for you because it doesn't matter. It's just if the Lord wants to say something, it has nothing to do with you. It's what the Lord wants to impart. But there's mentorship that can take place if you think you have these giftings. This is a culture shifter. This has to be a culture shifter. A prayer and intercession. Uh, a community and a body that comes. And I'm telling you, if this happens, people will come in and say, I experienced the love of God here. I'm going to ask my buddy Justin to come up. Justin, come on up.